Welcome back, everybody, to Edge of the Rabbit Hole. I'm author and ghost historian Mike Ricksecker. With me, as always, my co-hostess, Vanessa Hogel. And down in the chat room, our chat shenanigator, Shauna, shaking everything up. We have a very special episode up for you tonight. Carl Johnson is back with us. He's on full video this time, which is awesome. But we're going to be talking about shadow people and referring a lot to A Walk in the Shadows. The book just came out today. Carl had a lot of input on this book. I do want to thank all of you that have already purchased this. It is risen to, uh, on Amazon, number one new release in Ghosts and Hauntings and in the Supernaturalism category. So thank you guys very much for that. And Carl, welcome back to the show. Hello there. And it is so good to be back. Good to see you, Mike and Vanessa. <laughs> and to see you. You can see me this you time. Can see right. you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the last couple of times it was just a uh, just a photo, but now we got you, so it's great. Now I'll try not to disappoint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you had my photo with the like lips moving or something like a mouth. Yeah, with thing. just the lips, right? <laughs> no, that would have been Link. fun though. <laughs> so, I, but I think everybody in the chat room wants to know what you're snacking on tonight. Well, I don't know if you can show labels. I have peanut. We butter can. Cups. We can. <laughs> okay, I have Reese's peanut butter cups. And I have Pringles. That's the that's the one that's going to make the noise. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a little jealous. I'm a little. Well, I'm sharing them with my lovely co-host here. Show Elise. Yeah, Where's come Elise? on, Elise. Come on over here, sweetheart. This is Elise. Elise Jamarco Carlson. Come on, dear. I'm not going to stay here. Hi, Elise. How you doing? Hi, Mike. You can stay here. She has some input in your book. Some contributions there. Yeah, she, yeah. She's she makes things work. She greases the gears. <laughs> Elise works right. behind the scenes a lot, so sometimes when things meld, it's it's because Elise was part of the project, and you know, right away know that. Yeah, she was I definitely part of the project. Credit for what she does. So, and everybody yeah. down in the chat room is saying hi, Elise. So very cool. They're all saying hi, Elise. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can still see her in the window behind there. Oh, in the reflection, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so yep. you're still. There, love. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carl, let's get into it. Um, I approached you about uh, a walk in the shadows when I was in the process of writing it because a couple of years ago, when I was there at Ocean State Paracon, um, and I was talking about shadow people, you hit me up from you're all the way in the uh, the back of the auditorium, and you asked me a very interesting question about if shadow people had voices and. Afterward, we ended up having a little bit of a conversation about that. Of course, we've known each other for years, but um, we stayed in a lot more contact after that. And uh, yeah. I picked your brain a lot for this book. We had a uh, you know, we had a couple of different conversations, and you're actually featured in a walk of, a walk in the shadows quite a bit. And you have a little bit of a uh, a little bit of a different take on shadow people, and have had many experiences. Of course, we talked about that um, at length. Of, at the uh, at the farmhouse there in Harrisville this past fall, but um, you know, what's your what's your input here on what shadow people may be? It's quite an enigma, even in the preternatural. We probably will never fully understand what shadow people are, where they're from, uh, but we have theories. They're interdimensional. I'm pretty sure they exist in another plane of existence, and they can pop in and out of ours. I don't know if they do it at will, but sometimes they're with us, sometimes they're visible. What we do suspect about shadow people is that they 
are recalcitrant. They don't like to be noticed. They are evasive, elusive, and when we see them, it's usually not intentional. Or sometimes they do like to scare us, and they can scare the bejesus out of us. Uh, they're a type of ghost or spirit, but uh, they, they have an opacity to them. They can block out light behind them, and that reveals them. And they seem to show up more in photographs than we do with like eyewitnesses. But we, uh, I have seen them. You have seen them. Mm -hmm. And uh, they show up at the most inconvenient times. You just don't expect them to be there. And the reason they're so frightening is because they're very dark. Well, they're actually, as I've termed it, the absence of light, like a black hole. In it. Right. Sometimes in a human shape. They are not always in a human shape, but often they are. So that has some kind of uh, relation to the human species. Whether they take on that form or, or just have it, or if they take it on willfully, we don't know. So there's a lot we don't know about shadow people, but it's it's they're interesting. It's fun to talk about them. Or it's I ha I have a question. Um, I I was helping somebody the other day, and they were seeing what the the lay person, or if you don't have a lot of experience with it, would assume was a shadow person in their home. But we knew that it wasn't negative. <clears throat> How can people differentiate between what is technically a shadow person and what is a spirit trying to manifest? And, and that is the level of manifestation that we're able to see at that time. Because there is a very real difference. Basically, wait it out. See what it does. What kind of form it takes. If it takes a form. Uh, shadow people, as I said, they're not always in that anthropomorphic form. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're just formless. They're blackness that issues out. And uh, they seem to favor egresses and corridors. You know, mm -hmm. they, they don't normally go through walls like a ghost would. If, if you observe it, if you're fortunate to be able to observe this being long enough, you'll recognize it as a shadow ghost because it just does, it's featureless. It, uh, it's just that outline. Except as we'll get into, and as Mike does in his book, sometimes they have red eyes. That's yeah. been reported. Yeah, and that was the uh, the case in which we first met was yeah. the entity with red eyes there at the house in Edmond, Oklahoma. And although I never saw that particular entity, I did see other shadow entities at that house. Uh, it was that particular one that was terrorizing Talison, the cat, other members of the family, and you ended up coming out onto uh, that investigation and doing the, the cleansing for that episode on The Haunted. Yeah, yes, I was apprehensive about that because I had been warned. They didn't know how Talison would react when she saw me because she knew I was coming, and she had a trepidation about me coming. I was the, I was the chastiser, right? So, so, which right away started me thinking there's a demonic element here, and uh, well, was it a, a demon in the true sense or was it a shadow ghost? Yes, there must be some difference. And one thing that manifested was strange shadow-like beings in the trees seemed to be climbing the trees. That was the second time I, I experienced something akin to that, and uh, it looked like. Squirrels or monkeys, you know, a combination of squirrels. They had arms that I could see some kind of figures climbing up in the trees, but they weren't moving the branches. And remember that terrific wind that picked up? Yeah, that wind was crazy. 
And what was interesting about that wind is the family was sitting in the side yard and they didn't feel the wind at all. It was just confined there to the backyard. And right at that time, we were endeavoring to bring this invasive entity out of the house and cast it out. Mm -hmm. So maybe that has something to do with the atmospheric conditions because, yeah, it was cyclonic. And remember that cat was running in a circle around yeah, us. Yeah, around and around, yeah. Yeah, not a strange thing. You get a little glimpse of that in the television episode that documented that investigation. But yeah, they caught a few clips of that. Yeah, stranger things went on that weren't, you know, in the final edit. Yeah, there's a lot that, that they weren't able to include in that uh, particular episode. And we've talked about it before, how they really needed uh, two hours for that particular episode. Yes. There's so much that happened. But um, that was one that you did end up uh, deeming demonic. And you know that's a, that's a question, as I cover shadow people and, and people contact me, that people have a lot of questions about how do you know when a particular shadow person is an actual demonic entity because there are others that seem that like they may be a human spirit so how are you able to tell these different things apart this had elements of both i think it's very difficult to tell that apart because shadow person should be in its own category but this was uh it seemed to have it out for that family and was very attached to the family but wanted to cause them great distress which it did um but it manifested as a shadow person. Right. Remember, Tallison's brother would see uh, see a shadowy form across the wall and in his room. So, what's the difference? Really, don't know. It's, Do it's you... just uh, it's speculation. A lot. I don't think every shadow person is demonic. I think they have their own way, and maybe when they come through from whatever reality in which they exist. They bring something else with them. Maybe a horde of them come through. Maybe some more malevolent entities come with the shadow ghost, and they create a little community there. But, uh, we we caught a fairly significant one on film at a place called Moore Hall in Ireland, a very formidable figure of a man, um, and and he was within three feet of me, and I could not see him myself. We could all feel him, but he showed up perfectly on the side of my camera, head, neck, shoulders, arm, down his body. And you're absolutely right. He completely blocked out any light. There's no way a hair off my head made this image. No way. Um, and it was solid black, almost as if it was drawn there, which we did not do. Um, I don't believe that was demonic, but I believe you hit the nail on the head when you said when they come back, they can bring that negativity with them because that, that place was very, very negative when you could feel him. And he was an actual, real, living, breathing person in history. Obviously not a demon. So I, I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Maybe people who had great psychic impact on their environment you know, affected other human beings, you know, imposed their reality during life. Maybe they bring some of that with them into another world. And they want to come back they don't want to leave our realm we're all shadow people once human hmm. no no i think it, it it touches on certain fa facets of uh of different realities quantum physics for instance you know you start wondering about that but in quantum physics of course the laws of time and space which are normally interrelated they can become distorted and uh, shadow people use that 
you know. That, in fact, shadow people, I don't know if they do it deliberately, but shadow people are seem to move rapidly. They don't move at the same rate we do you know, as human beings. They, uh, they seem to, in fact, I heard a case of one shadow ghost who actually walked backwards, one shadow person. Well, that's interesting. So they're, they're different from us, but they're aware of us. I, I think that would actually frighten me, and I'm not frightened of anything. But if they were walking backwards, and I could tell they were walking backwards, there's something very eerie about that. Yes. Yeah, I'm not certain I would be okay with that. No, that yeah. disturbed me when I heard about it. Somebody, yeah, they had that in their home. Yeah, it, it does seem that time works differently for them, especially with how fast they can move. And so it almost seems like, you know, we're catching a glimpse of them on their plane of existence and on that plane of existence perhaps time is working differently and uh your your brother keith uh one of his contributions to the book because he's in there as well um talks about time displacement so that may factor into it as well mm -hmm. yeah their time is a little different they're a little out of sync with us sometimes a lot out of sync <laughs> the shadow person I've become most familiar with is the one at uh, Slater Mill Campus in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that this one seems confined to one building. I don't see him other places. This is in the, the stone Wilkinson Mill, which was constructed in 1810, completed in 1811. And it was built to provide a machine shop and service station, like an annex station for Slater's Mill. And that's where the shadow ghost is. Why he's there... How he originated? Was he once human? We don't know these things. Well, I know he's there because uh, when I first started there in 2006, guests were reporting they were nervous because they saw a shadowy man walking inside the machine shop exhibit. So our staff went inside and there was nobody within. But I've been favored, I think, to see that shadow person for myself and photograph it. It's come out in two photographs that I know of. One of them I took and... Uh, well, I saw him in October of last year, of 2018, actually, so the year before last now. And uh, there was an opening uh, in the door, a crack in the door, where you can see light through, the street lights coming through. And that was being blocked out. Something was interfacing with that, moving back and forth. Not at a regular rate, it was just sometimes it would be blocked out. As I said, they contain a... a one of the characteristics is they have an, an opacity to them. They can block out light behind them. And that's what this thing was doing. And uh, it, I think it was trying not to be seen that night. Interestingly, I've started uh, doing something to try and coax the shadow ghost to come out to be friendly with it. Probably something I shouldn't be doing, making friends with <laughs> a knowable entity. But you see, in this, uh, in this Wilkinson Mill, there is the original water wheel pit and the giant water wheel. All right, 16,000 pound water wheel within that still functions. And what I would do is take smooth black stones and toss them in to the water wheel pit as an offering. It's like paying the ferryman over the river Styx, mm -hmm. the newly departed right. souls, they can enter the afterworld. And so I thought, well, let's give him a little token to show, you know, we just come in here and hope he's going to do something. And usually he does not. Sometimes he does in dramatic fashion. Uh, spikes have been known to flow, fly around the room upstairs in the machine shop, and crutches, and he crutches have flown across the room. Uh, that doesn't happen very often. It's happened a couple of times. So I thought, uh, when we have guests down there for a public ghost hunt, I give everybody a smooth black stone or a privately booked 
paranormal investigation. Everybody takes a smooth black stone and tosses it into the water wheel pit. Kaplunk it, kaplunk it. I said, I don't think he grants wishes, but you can, you know, think positive thoughts. Just toss one in. It's a little token of respect for our ghostly host. Right. And uh, ever since I've been doing that and had people do that, he seems more responsive. We've been getting uh, like notable paranormal activity in the water in the water wheel pit and the Wilkinson Mill. And I think it has something to do with us showing him respect. Interesting. What do not typically respond to, especially not shadow ghosts, is if you demand or insult them, trying to coax them to come out. They they'll just lie low. But uh, try to be on friendly terms with them. Don't really get into conversations. But uh, it's a little offering, and it seems to work. Yeah. And you do talk about the uh, the shadow entity at Slayer's Milk uh, quite a bit in A Walk in the Shadows. We um, we talked about that when we had you on the phone uh, this past summer, and I did a little interview with you and, and all that. So, And you guys can find the link to the book down in the description uh, here on the uh, on the YouTube channel. Uh, I have a couple comments and questions from the chat that I do want to uh, get to real quick. So Judy Wilson, this was back when we were talking about the Edmund house. Uh, she was wondering if you were able to get rid of that entity and you were we were able to push that out the back um and you worked really hard at that and with that you were i remember you were completely exhausted that you ended up down on a knee and were having to catch your breath so what does something like that take out of you to uh, push this type of entity out of a particular location i don't know why it was so exhaustive to me uh, it just, I felt very depleted afterwards. I, those times where I like, when I sank into the chair, I didn't know the camera was running. You know, I might've tried to compose myself more if I had known, but it's just, uh, uh, ever since we were outside, it's just like, boom, I, said, I don't know what's happened. I just did totally exhausted. I haven't had that much physical activity yet. I was, uh, tired, drained. It felt like I had donated blood and then went back and donated another pint of blood. Oh, I forgot. I already went. So it was, um, I just needed some sustenance. I needed water and uh, just needed to rest for a while. I mean, it wasn't a terribly unpleasant feeling. I just felt tired. I needed to sit. I don't understand the process in that, why it took so much out of me. Uh, I was praying in earnest and I was uh, endeavoring to cast the spirit out as we all were. Seems to have taken something out of me. There's something it draws on. I think one has to contribute their own vital energy, their life force, a portion of it, to be effective in such uh, such an act. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, one of the um, <laughs> one of the aspects I, I touch on in a walk in the shadows is the idea, especially with the Hat Man. We had some questions in there uh, about the Hat Man from uh, from Robert Hanna. Um, the idea that some of these may be energy vampires and they're there striking fear to you and then feeding off that fear. Do you think that may may have been the case a bit with this uh, red-eyed entity at that particular house? Indeed, I do, yes. Emotion is energy. And, you know, if somebody's in a rage or uh, a lot of emotional output, they're going to feel exhausted afterwards, even if they're containing it. You know, high emotion does, you know, and stress does drain one's energies. You know, it's just how we function. And uh, I think this uh, energy vampire, if you will, would draw on the emotions and incite it through fear, through anxiety. Those are favorite emotions for a demonic entity, for one thing. Fear and anxiety. 
people aren't sure of themselves. It makes them vulnerable. Right. Why the red eyes? I don't know. I, I know of a woman in Indiana. She, uh, she had lost her first child and she and her husband were grieving. And, uh, she grew up in a very haunted environment and it was actually documented for an episode of paranormal witness. Well, in one of the photographs, you can see not in the next photograph, but in one of the photographs, you can see these really these two red dots floating above her. They're, it's her husband and a pastor. And in the background, you can see in what was her room, you can see these red eyes looking out. They really do look like red eyes. I, I don't know how they got there, what they would be. Um, that's rather disturbing about it. Um, that has, you know, these red orbs for eyes. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and certainly that's upsetting. That's you know, causing them some distress to see that. Oh, absolutely. But I think they do draw on us. And, and I, anybody who's been in that environment around a demonic entity, reports feeling like I just felt so wiped out afterwards. I just felt fine, felt ill. But you're not at your strongest when you're confronting one of these beings. True. You need to be, but uh, in the aftermath, you really feel like something's been drawn on you. Right. And the term energy vampire. It's also called Lamia Navitas, which is, you know, energy vampire. Mm-hmm. So, Vanessa, you had a question? Oh, no, I was just, I was wondering, um, because that is the one thing that seems to be um, a continuous thing. You always hear about the red eyes. And it just makes me wonder, are red eyes actually what we're seeing, or is that something in our per- in our perception? Like, you, I can look at my dog every now and then, and she's got red eyes. My dog does not have red eyes. Um <laughs> You know, it's. It, I just wonder if it's more of an optical illusion as to the color and what our brain immediately goes to. You mean how our brain interprets it? Exactly. Then it being what it actually is. It actually because, being that frequency that would generate red light. Exactly. You know, I mean, because there's plenty of colorblind people out there that see spirits. You know, but you never hear. And if you if you're colorblind, the color red is green. Yes. For the most part. But you never hear anyone say they had green glowing eyes. I've you know, heard I, purple, yellow, and blue. Yeah, and blue. But it's weird. Our brains automatically associate positive or negative energy with particular colors. They automatically do that. We've just been raised that way. We've been honed that way. Um, and it just makes me wonder if we immediately believe it's negative, does our brain immediately believe they're red? It's the red light, the danger sign. Exactly. Red means well, stop. You know. They come out red in photographs. And the, the photographs. No objective. different than a dog's eyes. Hmm. Yeah. How would it do that to a dog? And you know, and they do seem to affect animals. To be sure, when I've been involved oh, sure. in a lot of cases, the mm-hmm. dogs are dogs and cats are sensitive to these frequencies, mm-hmm. entities. And, and just put the scientific spin on it. You yeah. know. They don't analyze it or intellectualize it they just know it's a menacing presence and people sense that but we try to block it out like no no there's nothing in here you know why should i be upset why should i right until it reveals itself more true very true 
So we've had some other interesting questions in here, and a, a couple of these are actually related, and they're good questions here. Um, from Alina, and I'll ask these two together. From Alina, apart from sleep paralysis, do you think some of us see shadow people during out-of-body experiences? And from Denise Pridemore, is it possible that shadow figures could be how a person looks that is actually a person roaming during an OBE? So what do you think, shadow people and out-of-body experiences? When people are free from their bodies, they are more perceptive to the spirit world. I mean, I don't think we totally leave our bodies, but part of our consciousness or even our subconscious is projected. And in essence, we leave our bodies behind for a time. We stretch that cord, connects us to our bodies. And people who have well, astral traveled report seeing, sometimes they see deceased people. Sometimes they see something pretty negative, and, uh, ominous. And it's usually described as being something very black, very dark. So I think these shadow ghosts exist in a dimension that is very close to ours and parallel to ours. And that's when you can see them. When you're in a deep state of meditation and you feel like you can float, feel free of your physical confines, then sometimes people see something that they had not expected. And sometimes it's not something very friendly. They see these shadow entities. Myself, I wish I could do that. I wish I could... Uh, uh, expand my boundaries and just go into the spirit world and just look around, see what's there. Okay, there's something black and negative. There's something light. <laughs> we interpret it as dark and light anyway. Yeah, it's like we just usually catch a glimpse and that's it. It would be interesting to just have that uh, you know, proverbial veil pulled down for just a moment to be able to see everything that's actually around us. I think we'd be pretty shocked. Yes, it's mm -hmm. at a different frequency. It's, you know, a different spectrum beyond what our eyes can normally perceive but it's there it's around us every once in a while it crosses over the i think of the dimensional realities as plates and they are in motion and sometimes they bisect and that's when we it gets into string theory too which i don't know much about but i can certainly talk about you don't need to know a lot about it to talk about string theory you know? and uh, i think sometimes these dimensional planes will intersect or bisect, and then we start getting crossovers where we see the ghosts or see the shadow beings. So I wish we could harness that, find a way to just, if not be on friendly terms with the shadow ghosts, the shadow people, just uh, observe them more, because it seems to be by chance. Shadow beings, are, they're very difficult to coax to come out, if, if that's possible at all. I tried that little experiment with the, the shadow person, <clears throat> stone wilkinson mill i say stone because it's composed of three foot thick rubble stone wall built like a fortress five stories tall it's an impressive structure it's still there mm -hmm. um, and that's home to our shadow ghost and uh, just that little gesture of tossing stones into the water wheel pit and i say this is you know out of respect for you thank you for permitting us to come into your place of work toss the stones and then just get more activity somehow strikes a sympathetic chord. So is that coaxing the shadow ghost, the shadow person? Maybe. If it works, I'm going to stick with it. Something you said made me think of a movie that I saw years ago called The Watchers. And it, ca it had Christina Ricci in it. Uh, didn't make a lot of money, but I still say it was a great movie. And this, it makes me wonder, are these shadow people, for the most part, watchers? Are they those who are you know, brought into our realm to watch us, not to, not to necessarily interact, not to prevent, but 
to document and report back. Mm. That makes them sound rather angelic, angelic or like celestial beings. Perhaps they're close enough to our plane where they have more readily access to our reality. Mm -hmm. They can go back and forth. They do seem to have an intelligence about them. About mm -hmm. them. And uh, I've never perceived them as meaning us anything good, but they don't seem harmful either, except that they're rather frightened. Mm -hmm. disturbing. Which is our perception of them. Yes. Yeah. If only they would stay still long enough where we could really observe. Them. <laughs> yeah, I I'd, I'd like to actually it's just cool. sit down and have a conversation with one. You know, hey, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. So what exactly are you? You know? <laughs> Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. one of the things that I usually say is that, you know, these entities are so mysterious that I think until we actually have that conversation with one, say, hey, what exactly are you? We're still going to be kind of grasping at straws here trying to figure it out. That's mm -hmm. the beauty of it. Well, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we do have a, a, a few more questions here, actually a lot, sure. but um, from Leslie Fear. Uh, can spirits or ghosts present themselves as shadow people, maybe to scare or intimidate the living? Demonic entity can. They sometimes like to look rather gruesome. They also like to appear attractive if it's just their purpose. Uh, whether a ghost can do that, I don't know. A ghost, some ghosts can distort their features. There's uh, really frightening stories of that. There's the red-headed hitchhiker along uh, Route 6. Uh, travels from Rhode Island into uh, parts of Seekonk, Massachusetts. And, Heard of uh, that one, yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's along this stretch of road, and he's been reported a number of times. I've talked to two people who saw the, the red-headed hitchhiker, and he does all kinds of creepy things. He really, that really does scare me, at least reading these stories. Um, somebody saw him sitting at the side of the road when somebody's car had broken down, asked if uh, he had a phone with him, and uh, this shadow ghost just looked up and then his features became all white and distorted, seemed to melt. So they, they seem to be able to do that. Some of them do. But relating this to shadow ghost, I don't know if they can. I don't think a, a human spirit would have the capacity to turn itself into a shadow ghost unless they were once human. Yeah, what about the idea that you know, a human spirit trying to manifest as an apparition and doesn't quite make it. It only appears as a shadow. There's a lot of ideas um, that yeah. that may be the case with some of these. Could be. Uh, I've seen a, a spirit in transition where it seems to be trying to manifest. I've even, I even have a photograph of that. In fact, in that same structure, the Wilkinson Mill, uh, a series of pictures were taken during one paranormal investigation. This goes way back to November 2009. And uh, Jim Perry was the uh, one conducting the paranormal. It was his first paranormal investigation. Most of Jim's over 100 digital pictures came out totally normal. In three of them, there is a distortion, which we just can't explain. It's white, though, and it has a dark background. Is that what the shadow ghost looks like in total darkness or near total, total darkness? It, is that our shadow ghost we photograph? A shadow person in Wilkinson Mill. Maybe sometimes, because I have seen a white, whitish cylindrical form hovering over the water wheel. Okay. There. And then it just, it didn't fade away, it just vanished. So it wasn't gas, you know, vapor, just is gone. So maybe that's another aspect of the shadow person. 
and it looked like something in, in the photographs and in what I saw and another witness saw, it looks like something trying to form, trying to manifest. But then blotted out. And Keith has entered the chat room. So good evening, Keith. Hey. Happy to have you down there. <laughs> so um what is he saying? Is he saying anything? Yeah, I don't. I don't think I've seen him say anything yet. He said hi, all. So okay, he's saying oh, hello. Maybe he has more <laughs> answers than he has questions. Maybe, maybe. but he <laughs> he had uh, some input into uh, a walk in the shadows as well, uh, and there was a story there with uh, with he and Sandra, and so um, yeah, Keith is also a, a part of this as well. So, and I appreciate all of his input. Um, there's an interesting question here from Basis 1945. Um, there's a lot of people who report, uh, we were just talking about, Vanessa was just talking about the watchers, and a lot of people do report just seeing a shadow person in their room and it's just standing there staring at them. So uh, she asks, if they are watchers, who would they be reporting back to? There's the million dollar question. <laughs> yes, do they report back to God? Uh, or some other interpretation of God. Um, perhaps they have their own world and they don't have to answer to anybody else. They may have echelons and subordinates and commanders, but uh, they may have some direction. So, very interesting uh, manifestation. That's why we need more answers from them. Right. We can theorize about them. You know, but just from observing them, there are things we can tell. They are in another dimensional plane. They, the time is different for them. They are hence the rapid movement. Um, why do they sometimes seem to be wearing clothing? Their outlines show them wearing hats, top hat, sometimes a cowboy style hat or wide brimmed fedora. Now that, uh, that suggests a, a human presence. So, or at least a human influence. You know, maybe they're yeah. trying to mimic us. They could be. Yeah, maybe they're trying, but they can't quite look just like us. Maybe they're trying to blend and morph with us. Well, uh, and uh, maybe that has something to do with, um, you know, if, if it is some sort of time displacement. So maybe they're relating to us at a different point in time. We're seeing them modern day, but they might be referring back to like the 1940s with the fedora. That's, exactly. That was their frame of reference. You know, the 1940s, you think of these cloak and dagger stories. You think of the shadow. Yeah. You know. The shadow the knows. Yeah. The shadow knows. <laughs> what evil lurks in the hearts and minds of mm -hmm. men, the shadow knows. Well, that's what they appear like. You know, so they seem to be strangely out of place and out of time, but they're there. They're real. I have no doubt of that. In fact, there's one picture that appears in your book, uh, Walk in the Shadows, and it's, it's taken in the Wilkinson Mill. Mm -hmm. It shows a gathering of people who was taken during a public ghost hunt, which are always well attended. Sometimes we have too many people there. It's not quite as spooky, but uh, this was quite a gathering. And it's the, they're gathered around the wooden rail over the Waterwood Pit, which is a more modern addition. And uh, there's a shadow projected on the wall. It's very black. And that's the one I'm thinking of, yep. yes. And uh, very dark shadow. And at first I thought it was a young lady standing there. And then I noticed, no, her shadow is by our perspective more off to the right. And then there's this tall black shadow. It looks like it's wearing a cloak and hat. That's an interpretation of it, but it is a definite shadow. Now I've gone in there from time to time. I look at that wall. It's like, no, there's no stain or spot in the wall that could do that. So I think the shadow ghost was probably inadvertently captured on film in that picture. 
Uh, I was fond of the, or I don't know if he's fond or resentful of that many people being down there. But I know I have <laughs> said before in, in the Wilkinson Mill, when I've had such a group there, I said, you, uh, if you want us to leave, give us a sign. We'll clear out now. We'll leave anyway. We'll just leave faster if you give us a sign. Not really expecting anything to happen. Two times when I've said that, a spike has flown across the room. Well, um, the people who, who saw that, they come back. Here's the thing, though. If you normally, when you're in that room, if you normally just see a, a, an odd shape or some type of shadow like that, but when you have a larger group there and he tries to, to manifest into something that appears more human-like, he tries to acclimate himself to the group, that to me doesn't represent anger and resentment and wanting you guys gone. It was, it is more of, I got to fit in. Yeah, I, I need party. Yes. I need to be a part of this. And, and maybe that's just his way of doing it. You mean that's and, his camaraderie. He likes the interaction with, with living exactly, people. Exactly. Exactly. No visible and shut out. Exactly. And he's less likely to have people run from him. If he takes on the shape of something that we recognize as human. Mm. And I, I think that's, I think that's another way to look at it. When they, yeah, yeah. When they go through the effort to make us comfortable with their presence by, by their figure, I think we need to, to accept that for what it is. And that's actually a gift. They're trying to make us feel less uncomfortable because they're on a big black blob blocking out the light. Yeah. I don't think they try to be frightening. I think they don't have yeah. any, well, some of them are a little mm -hmm. malicious, like what Mike encountered as a boy. Yeah. Definitely wanted yeah. to play with him and didn't care if it frightened him. Mm -hmm. um, there's a question. Are there female shadow persons? That's a great question. Is there a great answer to it? <laughs> I have, I really don't know because we always refer to the shadow man. I have had people um, specifically you know, say it was a shadow man. So they had an idea that it was male in gender, or maybe it's just because of the style of, if they're wearing a hat or something, they just, you know, automatically assume, well, it's a, it's a guy, but we usually just refer to it as a shadow man. We never say shadow woman, do we? No, they might be, uh, they may be like, like the angels of neither sex. Really. Exactly. When you say they're interdimensional beings, there's a very real possibility that that is the case. Yeah. Yeah, we, we probably don't understand, like you said, being interdimensional like that, you know, what what their type of entity, um, what their characteristics really are. We're just getting an image of that. Uh -huh. Well, we say Shadow Man about the, uh, the Wilkinson ghost in, in that mill, which was, of course, a working mill for decades, um, because in the machine shop and the water wheel pit, it would only be men working. There was a man's place to work. So we just assume a workman in there in the factory in a machine shop was probably male. But he's, it is, it's neither now. He's shed his body, theoretically. You know, was that a worker who was injured or killed in the factory? They wouldn't have kept accurate records of that because it was bad for business. So that would have been covered up. And then somebody who's just so attached to his job, he keeps coming back. But we're trying to fill in the blanks here. Right. We don't really know why it's there or even what it is. It's just there's something there with a personality. It, uh, it evinces itself sometimes. Sometimes it's caught unintentionally. Like, uh, my friend Jeremiah 
Olet, he's a founder of uh, Investigators of the Unknown. He's no longer a paranormal investigator. Uh, he's moved on to other things. But we were upstairs in this Wilkinson mill and uh, conducting a paranormal investigation. I was hosting, was, uh, being employed by old Slater Mill. And uh, we were going to go outside and said, Jerry, one of your people still up here. And he said, no, they're all outside. We looked and there was that shadowy being. It's the first time I saw it. It was January 2013. It was standing, if they stand, it was hovering in between two antique machines on display. And it was moving rapidly, like not in a human way. It was like a, like a movie film sped up. And so I went to get my flashlight. By that time, the thing had vanished. So I put my flashlight back down. We're turning to go away. There it was again. We were able to observe this thing for about... Around seven, eight seconds. That's a long time to see a ghost. Yeah. But that, you know, it faded away and came back. We described the same thing. And I was out in the woods of uh, Riverside. This was uh, last year, Riverside, Rhode Island. And I was uh, I was there for an investigation with Brian Cano. And Elise was with us and several other team members. And, uh, well, we were looking for a werewolf. We were on a werewolf. Hmm. Werewolf had been seen out there supposedly and photographed, so that's why we were there. Well, didn't find the werewolf, didn't find the dog man, but uh, we found shadow beings rising up out of the ground next to the river, the swampy ground. Oh wow! Swamp gas. These were beings. These were human-like figures. So we weren't seeing one. We were seeing five or six shadow persons there. So I've been lucky to see that many. Yeah, that's quite a few. Um, back to the gender thing, though, real quick. Um, I would say the the only time that we might be able to discern uh, something like a, um, you know, like if it's a woman, uh, are human spirits that appear as shadows. Uh, a couple of the stories that I do include in here from our, our friend Rob Guttrow, uh, he had observed his aunt, as a uh, as a shadow spirit and then there was the uh little girl that a bunch of us uh me shauna uh tom mcnicholas nick Moulet, dustin samario all during an investigation last year we saw black smoke billow up and morph into uh the apparition of a little girl so there we saw the the transformation which is quite rare that's the only time i've ever observed something like that Good also begs the question are there shadow children yeah you know, are there communities of them do they i've seen multiple shadow manifestations that uh, what i was describing um but do they appear as families and i know some are diminutive and some are tall or statuesque some of them are regular human size the tall ones seem to be more around mm -hmm. uh, the one in Wilkinson Mill, uh, the Slater Mill campus, that uh, he varies in size. Sometimes he looks quite tall. Other times he's, you know, about my height. So if he means that. I don't know. He's usually tall, but he distorts. He doesn't always look the same. And he blocks out light, and he, he's blocked out people in uh, in photographs, block out their faces or their shoulder. You know, so they're captured on film. I just wish we could, with your book, that, that's made, that's the first, I think, definitive work on the shadow person. And it's it's a collection of case studies 
and some speculation. Uh, so we're learning about them. There is the, we can say more of what they aren't than what they are at this stage. Yeah, I think so. And we're like you said, we're still learning. We're trying to break it down. I think there's you know definitely something different between a human spirit that manifests as a shadow. Um, and you know the actual interdimensional being that is a shadow person i think that's the one where we have a hard time figuring okay is this a man is the woman child i don't think we're really getting that with those type of interdimensional beings but we have had a couple of questions in here as well about some of the other different types of shadow manifestations and one of those was um the shadow animals um and um, I guess it was, okay, it was Victoria who asked about uh, shadow animals. Have you seen some of those as well? Yes, I have. Uh, that night I was with you in Edmond, Oklahoma. Strange things climbing in the trees. They look like, like gibbons. Mm -hmm. They look like their arms were long and they did have appendages. They look like something climbing in the trees. It's like squirrel monkeys but they, or gibbons. They're, Climbing the branches, scurrying even. Now, was that one entity that split itself into different forms when it was retreating? Why were there multiple entities there? We can't know. It was just interesting to observe. There were like five or six of them in the trees. That's what it looked like to me. And a couple of others, like Chris saw one. Chris and the two. Um, shadow animals. But they're not always cats or dogs when we see them. Sometimes they are. There are shadow well, there are ghost cats, and they're more common than ghost dogs. Right. Dogs. No, they might. There have been ghost haunt uh, horses, that have, you know, apparitions of horses. I mean, uh, never heard of a ghost mouse, but how would you know, really? Um, you can hardly see those when they're alive. Yeah. I know. It, if it's, something's flitting around, you don't think it's a living mouse, but. Uh, but I've seen a type of shadow animal that's it's what I'm describing that was climbing in the trees. Yeah, I have to throw this one on the screen for, for Shauna. That's the shadow spiders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Are they any easier? Get that out of here. Get that out of here. Uh -uh. <laughs> oh, she doesn't like the spider. No, no, no. No. no, I guess Vanessa doesn't either. But yeah, Shauna, our chat shenanigator, hates spiders. So, <laughs> so Vanessa, no spiders for you either, huh? No. Elise is too spooked by spiders. She saves things. She's uh, she'll pick up a mouse and put it outside. She's done that with snakes. Hmm. She's not an eek eek or chop off <laughs> its head. You know, she'll, she'll save them. I'm only that way with spiders, and something just yeah. occurred to me. We're talking about manifestation and things like that, and and what they could be. The thing that I that, that Gwen and I saw on the roof of the barn that we're it's the closest we feel comfortable to saying we've seen something demonic. Wow. And it spanned the entire roof of the barn. We stared it down. It was it was a struggle. It was it was a rough night. It had taken the form of a human spider. Oh my and spanned uh, like a fifteen to twenty foot arm span over the roof of the barn. Now is that something and, to frighten you or did it find it easier to maneuver? itself around it was done to frighten me because that is my biggest fear is spiders oh yeah i i i, I didn't know that until just this moment mike <laughs> put that up, and that happened three years ago mike put that up and it clicked and i'm like okay oh that motherfucker <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So that shows that sometimes they can manifest or change their forms to make us uncomfortable too, especially if they lean towards that whole demon thing. Yes. Okay. See, I learned some. No, it's it's educational, really. Yeah. Talking about you know, and usually when we're talking about ghosts or demonic entities, I'm rattling off answers to my own theories. But I have to hesitate when it comes to shadow persons because you know it's not a lot we know, but I ha I know they're real. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you didn't hear the rapper at all, did you? Yeah, I uh, won't. <laughs> it's not for me. Get in my belly. Just, just don't start chewing on it in the microphone. <laughs> um, from Fran Molino, is a crawler a shadow person? And I've actually seen a crawler. I don't know if you've had any experiences with crawlers, uh, Carl. Well, in the branches of those trees. Yeah, I guess those, yeah. All them crawlers, you know. And I have seen one in Brayton Point Cemetery in uh, Warwick, Rhode Island, the Apanag area. Um, critters. Now, you're in a cemetery tonight. And in fact, when I was a member of the Atlantic Paranormal Society before the show Ghost Hunter started, like about two years before they debuted for that show when I was part of it, um, one of our training grounds was Brayton Point Cemetery in, uh, in Warwick. And uh, well, that was a haunted cemetery, I presume still is. I would see these critters running around and I think that's either a, like a strange cat or a big rat. What is that thing? You know, it's nighttime. You're going to see maybe it's a squirrel out at night. But then I saw it again, saw it several times. And I could actually draw it. I haven't yet, but there is a type of crawler or shadow animal that's it's not feline, it's not canine, whatever it is, it's probably its own category, but it has a hump to its back. It kind of looks like a possum, but more slender. It's very black, but not a shiny black. It's like, again, the absence of light, some of the blocks light up. And it scurries, it doesn't make any noise when it runs by. Whether it has a tail or not, I, I don't remember. But it, it, it's this strange thing. And it, it moves too fast to be an opossum or a, a squirrel, something like that. It doesn't hop like a squirrel. It skitters by. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that's the kind of shadow animal. But it's its own thing. Who knows if we could go into the dimension or peek in there for a while, what kind of critters we see running around. Oh, I'm sure we'd see all shadow sorts of things, yeah. Yeah, and uh, what their animals are like. That they even it, have animals is remarkable. That's what, how we interpret It would be an interesting theory because, like, you know, shadow people are, like you said, the absence of light. So if we are considered the lit beings, so to speak, are they the the shadow of us? Are they are they the are they us with the absence of light? Just well, something to throw out we, there. We didn't, if we weren't uh, reflecting light, if we essentially became invisible, perhaps that's how we'd appear. That, you know, they, they move differently. They move faster. Mm -hmm. It's not not so much that they have this whole different motion as that they're doing it faster and sometimes in reverse. They're without the confines of the physical form as we know it. Right. Do they feel more free? I don't know. Are they happy being shadow persons? They probably have some kind of rudimentary emotions. It's uh, What makes me think of that is my son was talking to me about a video game where that is essentially the video game. 
is you have real life living people and then you have the other world where where they go and come back from i think is how he explained it and that is essentially what it is well it's you know? it's interesting you mentioned that uh vanessa i do have a chapter in here called um the shadows in the matrix and it gets into the idea of a simulated universe that way we may all be in a computer simulation and maybe not perhaps a computer as we think of it today, but maybe something biological or um, or molecular or something like that. But, um, you know, having a, a degree in simulation programming and, and, you know, we talk about we talked earlier about the watchers. If you think of the world right now as a a game space and maybe these shadow entities are like the game masters in the game and they're dropping in and observing what's going on within the world and we're just not understanding what it is that we're seeing when they almost mistakenly uh appear to us because anybody who's played you know like gray and i know you've played uh sometimes too vanessa a massively massively multiplayer online game where uh, the game masters will be in there. You can't see them. They're invisible. But every once in a while, they'll do something to trip themselves up and you have an idea that they're there. So it's, yep. you know, is that perhaps um, from the idea of a simulated universe? Is that what these shadow entities may be? So now I'm absolutely fascinated by that concept because to me, it is easier for me to sleep at night to believe that there are others out there that not that they don't manipulate us but that they are there to watch us, document our progress, and maybe help guide us if our progress is, is suitable on the proper direction, go, going down the proper path, you know? And I, I know that sounds very bizarre to people, but whether it's angelic, whether it's interdimensional, whatever it may be, it's the knowledge that they're there actually gives me comfort and doesn't hmm. frighten me. Unless it takes the form of a big old fucking spider, then I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think that that's very fascinating. Ever since that happened on Men in Black, when they showed the little ping pong thing at the end. I've oh, the little mar yeah, the, the universe is somebody's marble, yeah. <laughs> always wondered, always wondered. It's not outside the realm of possibility if you open your brain. You never know. Well, it's, a, it's certainly an unsettling postulation we could be game pieces mm -hmm. uh but there's a theory called the holographic universe i'm sure you've heard it mm -hmm. uh where we are projections on a flat plane that it's a two-dimensional universe and we perceive it as being three-dimensional of necessity but we're really just projections of this plate and that's our reality and that's where time can get distorted if someone can either intentionally or inadvertently move back and forth upon this plate which would explain some things. But I mean, it's quite feasible that we are projections. That, uh, we become three-dimensional in our contained reality. It's a fascinating concept. I mean, I, I, I think outside the box a lot anyway, but ever since I saw what I saw in the bathroom at my work, I told you guys both about that, about the air literally burning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, I think she locked up. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, film. Oh. Hey, at least I look kind of cute when I locked up. All right. Um, <laughs> She's back. But, uh, yeah. I, I was in a cute pose. But ever since I saw that happen, that has made me think, what were they trying to show me? 
what was I allowed to see for one small moment? And will it happen again? Because that wasn't by chance. There's no way that was by chance. And maybe shadow persons are two-dimensional. I mean, they don't really give much evidence of being three-dimensional substance. They're, maybe they're just these flat things, totally flat. There's exactly. no side. It's all interesting. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll get another question or two in here, and then we're going to have to wrap it up, guys. Um, Tom McNicholas, could shadow people be time travelers? I believe so. I don't uh, did they do it deliberately? Maybe. Maybe they're time lords. Um, that would explain some of their bizarre costumes. You know that they are sometimes in cloaks, very rudimentary clothes, cloak and hat. Yes, yeah, that's an interesting premise, too, that they could go. Uh, time is not the barrier that it is to us. But what's their purpose? They would observe a lot more if they can travel through time. Are they finite beings at all? Are they eternal in a, in a sense? If anything, is indeed eternal. So, yeah, maybe they are. Because they, if they can distort motion, then ostensibly they can distort time. Mm -hmm. Perhaps yeah. to their advantage. We've got to time, ask you know, first of these questions. Right. Time is a man-made concept. Yes. Right. It is. So. It is. We're, well, it, it is. It's our way to... It, explain our reality that's just and time exactly. is very dependent on uh matter velocity you know depth and breadth if everything in the universe is annihilated as you know the physicists postulate will happen you know the, the big freeze it's called when everything just winds down and runs out of energy and even the the particles and atoms separate because they don't have the cohesiveness to, to stay at and so everything just goes cold when if that happens then time again ceases there's no matter to relate to then time ceases there's no beginning or end there's no past or present so maybe that's somewhat the world they live in or they can flux in and out of it mm -hmm. and uh one more here and i did notice that uh, diane hilbert was down there our fairy queen was in the chat room so diane hope you are feeling better yes um this question is from Victoria in a, okay there it is uh, are shadow people tied to certain areas or can they roam around and go where they want I think it's kind of interesting you uh, you've noted that the the one seems to be only there at Wilkinson uh, Mill so you think it's it's tied there it can't move to the other buildings it hasn't moved to the other buildings I think shadow ghosts have limitations as well as uh, great access to, uh, to other spatial concepts. Perhaps it can move back and forth in time. I'm sure time is distorted by our concept of time, living time uh, for a shadow person. But they do seem detached to certain areas. Perhaps they can't leave the area. Every case I've heard of a shadow manifestation, a shadow person, they do seem rooted to that area. They, they, they want that house or that building, or that parcel of land. They, they don't seem to wander away from it or go to other places. I wonder if it has less to do with the house. I wonder if it has less to do with the house and more to do with the magnetic field that happens to be at that particular location. Yes, it's comfortable or it has a foundation in that magnetic field. Exactly. Or maybe uh, quartz. Keith, are great. Keith says that there's a shadow walking around in back of Carl. 
That's a Lee. <laughs> yeah, Elise is lurking around back there. <laughs> Hi, Elise. Elise. Hi, Elise is right here. Oh, she doesn't want to be on camera anymore. She was on the camera at the very beginning. Now she's not. Yeah, he says it must be Shadow Elise. <laughs> oh, let's see Shadow Elise. Come on over. They're almost done. Come on. I can't see. It's me. There she is. <laughs> Hello again, Elise. Yeah, we are down to the end of the show. So, um, yeah, I do want to thank you you both because, uh, Elise, you did help some here with uh, with A Walk in the Shadows. Uh, Carl, you helped immensely with this, and I really, really do appreciate that. Keith, also down there in the chat. So, um, yeah, really, um, this was... Uh, I work for a number of years here and I couldn't have done it without uh, the help of, of everybody uh, that's been involved. So, uh, you know, Carl, thank you for coming out tonight and for helping out with you the were, book. It was a group effort, but you were the captain to sail this through. <laughs> yeah. And it, to me, it's just really the tip of the iceberg. You know, it's, it, it's just an overview of, um, you know, we get into the different categories of uh, shadow people, their different characteristics. We get into, you know, concepts about sleep paralysis and then break it down into some of the other concepts that we were talking about with, with time and the universe. And, um, you know, we're going to continue researching this and do a deeper dive. There's much more to learn here, I believe. Next show, we'll talk about those black-eyed children that really disturb me. <laughs> those are scary little buggers. Those are creepy. <laughs> yeah. But apparently real. They show up. They do. They do. So, well, thank you very much, Carl. Absolutely appreciate it. Um, how can everybody find you and, and information about what you're up to? Oh, I'm not hard to find. One thing is uh, if you go to Facebook, the ubiquitous Facebook, there is a page for Duo Demonology. That's my new project with James Anito. James Anito, right. Yeah. yeah. James actually contributed a little bit here too. Yes, he did. I saw his name. And uh, uh, we uh, we have formed Duo Demonology. Spelled kind of kaflui with an I-E at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, but we lecture about the topics related to demonology pursuit of uh, knowledge of wicked spirits and uh, panorama paranormal is a team comprised of two our director is elise Giamarco carlson and, and myself so we are panorama paranormal not li limited to just ghost hunting but all kinds of anomalies we will explore from anomalous sinkholes to missing persons that have a strange edge to it if if this caution tape it says keep out, you know, we'll we'll be there. <laughs> nice. That sounds familiar. Right. That's, right. that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so just look us up at Facebook, Duo Damonology, Panorama Paranormal. And oh yeah. That there. Good. She's got Elise has that out too. She's helping with that. She's got it. All right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm probably the only Carl. L. Johnson in the state of Rhode Island, whose uh, title is demonologist. Right. Yeah. And if you find us on Facebook, then it just fans out from there, the websites and all that, different handles. So, all right. Or for you, if you're Mike Ricksecker, you can find Carl. <laughs> That's true. True enough. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you very much. We're going to go ahead and let uh, you guys go. And then we'll go ahead and get to the uh, shout outs for the viewers. So again, my friend, thank you very much. My pleasure as always. Absolutely appreciate it. Have a great Bye. night. Bye-bye. And bye-bye, Elise. Bye. <laughs>